And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, Kaz befriends a sky racer named Rucklin, who pressures him into to taking some rare and dangerous hyperfuel hidden in Yeager's office. There will be the rise of that bitch Rucklin. We're talking fuel of the fire fuel for the fire this week. I almost got it, Chris. How you doing? Good. It's this almost sounded like it was gonna be an anti drug episode, the way you worded it. Uh, Rucklin who pressures him to take some rare and dangerous hyperfuel. Come on. Come on, Chaz. Everybody's kind of what happened. Come on, dude. It doesn't burn you out at all. No, it only just makes you... Well, they do call it hot sauce. Make it the hot sauce, Kaz. Come on, man. Yeah. You want to put a little bit of that... sauce again. Gotta get that sauce. So... Mm -mm. This is my first uh, nickname for the series because... (laughs) That bitch Rucklin is his name from here on out. It's that bitch. He's just that bitch. That bitch. He's the he's the like like um Aryan Draco Malfoy type character, you know, he just like right into the first order now, doesn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. He does really look like Draco Malfoy. <laughs> but that's that's slander to Draco. At least Draco has a conscience and a heart. That bitch is just a, a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, but it was really interesting, like, re-watching this episode, um, knowing that he goes into the First Order, because I can see, like, those, like, little seeds now. I'm just like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And I think that's what I've been enjoying most about rewatching this, um, is is seeing those seeds uh, planted so early, because just this used to be one of my least favorite episodes, and now I'm just like, oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I see it. It's there. It's right there. So, you doing all right? Yeah. Been a week. Been a long week. Been a very long week. Slow news week, <laughs> but you know. Actually, it's slow. <laughs> You're a funny man, Chris Honeywell. Slow news week, you know. Slow as uh, our capital. I had to catch week. up on my celebrity gossip and stuff just to keep occupied. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's always slow when your capital gets invaded. Uh, but actually, on the on the news side of the week, um, the High Republic launched last week, and I've been starting to dive into it. It's very interesting, and it's everything I was hoping it would be. <laughs> it's so good. So far, I've read um, the comic, The High Republic Number 1. Um, I actually wrote a review of it over at geekygirlexperience.com, and you can go see it. Um, and then I'm ha- about, oh, halfway through Charles Soule's novel, um, which is called Light of the Jedi. And it's 
fascinating, Chris, because this is like the Republic and the Jedi at their height. So I can only assume between here and the prequel trilogy, like they're just going to go down from here. They just go um, to like mediocrity and then completely downhill. Yeah. Well, no, that's kind of the interesting thing about it is that they're such a unit, like the Republic and the Jedi work so closely together and they work hand in hand, unlike the prequel Jedi, which were like, no, we must remain separate. And so, but at the same time, like you can see some of that hubris, like the High Republic well, there, Jedi. There, there might be a reason down the, I don't know, how far in the past does this take place? Is it hundreds or thousands of years? Hundreds, it's like two to 300 years. So there might be something in those intervening, you know, 200 years that, that, makes the yeah. Jedi decide to do that, you know, in yeah. the timeline. Absolutely, because, like, um, and, I, and I'm really interested to, to see a character like Yoda, because Yoda is alive in the High Republic, and he's he was in the comic. Uh, he hasn't shown, they've only mentioned him in the book so far, um, but I'm interested to see a character like Yoda, because he's going to be a touch point between here and the prequel trilogy. Because... I hope he's I hope he's a more flawed character. You know, he's Yoda mm -hmm. with 200 years less of knowledge in him, so he might be more, you know. Yeah. Get, get, it's like getting to see your grandpa as a young man and go like, oh, okay, look at grandpa flirting with Yaddle over there, you know. Yeah. And, like, when I say hubris, like, both the Jedi of the High Republic and the Jedi of the prequel both have, like, a, a bit of hubris about them. But it's different because it's th there's one character um, who is just like, well, I have the force, so why shouldn't I use it, right? And everyone's like, yeah, that works. The force is never ending. It's it's all around us. Use the force. And unlike the other Jedi of the prequel era, where they were just like, no, we can't. <laughs> we must respect the force. But I, I wanted to read this passage because this was very telling. This was the first time that made me go like whoa these are the jedi so the entire first third of the novel is about what's called the great disaster and it's what kicks off the entire high republic and um i don't want to give away details because in case anybody wants to read it and it's so new but part of this great disaster is just threatening like b billions of lives and so when the jedi arrive um i'm just going to read this paragraph but this is the description of their ships. So here we go. This is page 31, chapter 4. Uh, yeah. The ship was the third horizon, and it was beautiful. The ship's surface rippled along its frame like waves on a silver sea, tapering to a point with towers and crenellations along its length, like a fortress laid on its side, all wings and spires and spirals. It spoke of ambition. It spoke of optimism. It spoke of a thing made beautiful because it could be with little consideration to cost or effort. That's the Jedi ship. <laughs> and it sounds like yeah. a go it's like a gold and silver fucking palace. Well, yeah, they were. It sounds like they were in a gilded sort of gilded age you know and that's actually how this has been branded like this is the Ar Ar arthurian arthurian like king arthur knights of the round table type of jedi where this is their highest point where they are like this is the golden age of the jedi yeah 
but yeah, it's like when the when the when the Catholic Church built the Vatican, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but it's so interesting. There's so many like um, uh, in like so many aliens, which is I always want more aliens. The villains who are called the Nihil, um, the Nihils are very interesting, unique villains that are very different. They're not like. They're on the same level of the Sith, just the opposite. Are they nihilistic? Well, yeah, that's actually what it's based on. Um, but they're, because, yeah, pretty much. But but in a way, but they're so different. And there's this very interesting character named Martian Rowe. And he he's fascinating. And I can't wait to read more about him. Because they're on the level of power of the Sith. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, where the Sith wants order and they want chaos, but they're just as threatening and dark-sided as the Sith are, <laughs> and which is I find they're very chaotic evil. Is their D and D, whereas the Sith may be more like lawful evil or something like that. Yeah, neutral evil. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, like, how this because the Sith are in hiding in this in this time period, and when we get something, say, like the TV show The Acolyte. I'm wondering how the Nihil are going to tie into the Sith. Only, and the reason I say that is because the Nihil aren't around anymore when we get to the prequel era. So that tells me that either they were destroyed or they were absorbed by the Sith. Maybe they were the ones that um, were do- secretly doing the bidding. We don't know. It's so early. We only have... Uh, maybe they evolved into new Sith, you know? Maybe they became the Acolytes. We don't know. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. I'm really enjoying the High Republic so far of, um, the one comic and halfway through Charles Soule's novel. And I also got Justina, uh, Justina Ireland's novel too, which I'm going to read after this. So yeah, guys, I check out the High Republic. It's, it's so far really good. I'm, I'm really impressed. And it actually makes me super excited to see more like, like the television show, The Acolyte, like even more. This is the, the era is so unique because it's familiar but it's also presenting old stuff in a new way because the outer rim is just being discovered. So like they'll mention something like, Oh, Mon Cala out of the outer rim. And of course we know what Mon Cala is, but like it's considered like the wild West. So it's, it, it's very interesting to see how the Jedi are a little bit different and in how it's inferring back on the Jedi, of the prequel era and how they changed and why, and like maybe why they changed. So I'm really excited. It's it's really cool. So, woo. Yeah. So resistance. I'm ready for it. What do you think of this episode? Yeah. I kind of like. I kind of put this this. Uh, I I I I have to say. I think I like this epi- like a, a little less than I liked the last episode. Not that I didn't like it, but it was it's it was a frustrating episode for me. I have to get I have to get past um, the beginning of the first season with Kaz's character. He, Kaz was frustrating me again in this episode. I didn't find him as frustrating in this episode as I found him last episode. Um, and the 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 surrounding um, animation wasn't as pretty as last episode. Last episode at least had that last, um, you know. Um, it was last episode, right? With the attack of the pirates in the rain and yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it had like a lot of like beautifully animated moments. This this was a pretty like as far as like effects 
and like the visual aspect of it goes it was pretty utilitarian you know it was pretty much just like story elements going on but Mm -hmm. uh yeah um not that i didn't like it i just yeah we're in a difficult era of resistance for chris i it's so interesting because like these like last episode and this episode were the two episodes i probably struggled with the most and on a rewatch like knowing how the show ends like there's so much stronger this time around for me i Um, i like the stuff that they're building it's just that i'm now impatient (laughs) to get to get get past get past certain elements of the character building of kaz to where i'm not as frustrated with his with his character arc I thought it was much better this time around, though. Um, the mm-hmm. fact is, well, last episode, like, he was just flat out not even trying to work. And at least now he was working but failing and getting frustrated because <laughs> he was failing because he couldn't learn fast enough, which is a step forward in progress. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get it. I got notes. I yeah. got notes. I mean, he's a privileged character, and it's 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 interesting So to see... I mean, pr- sometimes really privileged characters can be frustrating to watch because they yeah. just having to learn reality. And like, you're just like, like when he's just like, I want a day off. And I'm like, you've been there for five fucking days. <laughs> Calm down, child. <laughs> you're fine. So anyway, you ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. Fuel for the Fire is the third episode of Star Wars Resistance. It aired on October 21st, 2018. It was written by Eugene Sun and directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. Jace Rucklin is voiced by Elijah Woods. His other works include Wilfred, Sin City, Over the Garden Wall, and he's also Frodo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The Celestin member of Rucklin's team is named Gorak Wiles. He is voiced by Eric Baza, who is also the voice actor of Luke Skywalker in the Lego Star Wars projects, especially the holiday special, which we just covered. He is also currently the main voice actor for Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety Bird, and Marvin the Martian. The female member of Rucklin's team is named Lynn Gava. She is voiced by Rachel McFarland, the sister of Family Guy Seth McFarland. Her other works include American Dad, The Orville, and The Owl House. The old woman who hits on Kaz throughout this series is named Garma, and she's voiced by Greg Proops, which is my favorite thing I've ever written, and Garma is one of my favorite characters in Resistance, and I love how thirsty she is for Kaz. Oh I thought it was an old man in the style of the old man. I thought it was sort of a riff on the... What, is it Family Guy? It is Family Guy, the the old man with the whistly, whistly teeth oh. who, who loves Chris. Get you... Get your mu- look at your muscly arms. I thought it was a little old man. No, it's a little old lady. Oh. Yeah, she's like she's she's old. She just wants her kicks. So she's got those chiclet teeth. <laughs> Even though they seem better off financially than Yeager's group, there were still design choices made to make Ruckland's team still look like they had a secondhand materials and worn in and lived in. They are not at the status of the aces. Ruckland's speeder bike is based on early Nilo Rodas Jamero's designs for Return of the Jedi. According to art director Amy Beth Christensen, O.P. Pitt is the only janitor on the Colossus. Um, his goggles were designed to give him a cranky expression at all times, reinforcing his frustration when anyone else makes a mess of his on the station. 
And his floor polisher was designed just for his use and is the greatest love story of all time in Star Wars. The photo in Yeager's office shows him as part of an X-Wing squadron at the Battle of Jakku. And the downed Star Destroyer um, in the background is the same one that is seen in The Force Awakens. The photo of Yeager's family in the background was taken in Batu, with the landmark behind them seen at Disney's Galaxy's Edge. And a drop of hyperfuel in the Ion engine is the same tactic Han Solo uses in the Kessel Run during Solo, A Star Wars Story. Ah. Yeah, actually, like, fuel is such an important... I don't I don't know I shouldn't say important, but it's such an interesting topic throughout this series. Like, there's always this discussion around fuel. They're on a gas station. Well, well, that's the thing, especially, like, once they start like moving around in the second season too, like fuel ends up becoming like almost like a hot commodity. And there's kind of this discussion of like almost a restriction on fuel. Where is the fuel? Um, why do they not have fuel? Um, and it's interesting because it kind of shows how like, well, remember that ways- was something we noticed that they didn't really touch upon in star Wars until like rebels. Nobody yeah. ever seemed to worry about running out of gas until rebels. But yeah. like as we get lower down the the totem pole of where the stories are happening, you know, and like class wise or or you know, on the on the or even not even class wise, but just in the level of like um conflict down the you know, from the like Jedi versus the Sith down to, you know, the guy surviving on this once you get on guys surviving in the street and you have a show set on a gas station then all of a sudden all all things about fuel become like the hot topic you know yeah. that's what runs the whole runs their you know whole thing so everybody there that's what they they're going to know about more or be aware of so it's i find that fascinating so i like when yeah. that happens in in this stuff it feels very much like trace and rafa um and like their story right. and stuff yes. um in st- shorts and, um, they were in the, yeah, they were in their own base, not really a gas station as much as like a mechanic shop, but the same general idea. Clone Wars. <laughs> I was like, what is the name of that show that we just finished? <laughs> My mind just blinked. But yeah, like when you have a character like, say, Ahsoka coming down in. And I think this is where Ahsoka like very nicely compares to someone like Kaz, because Ezra was always always poor and he was always in the lower class and he was always just struggling to get by so like it made sense for him to have these stories about like like with the ghost crew looking for fuel and not having enough fuel and stuff like that like that makes sense but that's why i find so interesting about these characters like ahsoka and kaz who do come from this upper class privileged life and of course like ahsoka has has a different kind of upper class because she was just always provided for through the jedi they always gave her everything she never had to worry about money and then they both come down to like the normal level, and I think that's where, like, resistance feel why why resistance feels so much like the Martez sister arc is because we're actually dealing with like just the everyday people, and I and to me I, I that's what I like about these stories in Star Wars. Like that's that's if it, it makes Star Wars feel more real. It can't just be space wizards all the time. Sometimes people are just like, I need gas. <laughs> You know who also has gas? <laughs> Hi, Yoda. Hello. Having a good week? Mm, good week. Yes, good week. Mm. 
Well, I have a very, very simple question for you, you Yoda, and I think oh. you might be behind it. Oh. Where are my car keys? Ah! Oh, Yoda must use the Force to, uh, to, to find car keys. Yes. Did you hide them over here? Oh, uh, wait, let him use... Mm, the Force I use... Mm, here? The Force I use to see... Mm, the key... Oh, look, look in drawer. Mm, yeah, desk drawer. drawer. I don't have a desk drawer. I'm gonna look in my my clothing drawer, my sock drawer. Look in sock drawer, yes. Oh! <laughs> oh. oh God! Oh. Why did you put that there? Mmm, snack, what yummy the... snack, delicious. What the hell, Yoda? What yummy the hell? Mmm, no. you're welcome. No, give me my keys. Give me my, give them. You go in that corner and you think about what you did. There he goes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was. It was. Little guy's feeling his oats. It was slimy, Chris, and it. it well, uh, she probably thinks that's good. You know. You know. You know how those, those whatever he is rolls. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we used to have a. His kind rolls. We used to have a cat named Ashby and. When he got in his older age, um, he pried open my sock drawer and shat in it. And it kind of seemed like that, only so much more mucus. Yeah, and, more like a hairball. Yeah. And there was liquid. I don't, it was It was a puddle. It was a full puddle. Yeah. Uh, uh, amazing <laughs> things can be uh, achieved through the force. Uh, oh. Anyway, act one. Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Act One. We open to another beautiful day on the Colossus. The aces are out swooping around. People are happy and enjoying the sun. And our boy Kazuto Ziono has pulled together Team Fireball to show them his new work that he has actually managed to fix an engine. Woo! And Tam is like, you mean you did your job? The thing we paid you to do and you shouldn't be learning on the fly. And Kaz gets real quiet before saying, this is a test, Tam. I'm testing you to make sure you know how to do it and know how my work is right. It's a test. Anyway, let's turn this bad boy on. And Kaz flips the switch and the engine fires up. And... It sputters out and starts to smoke. And the Aces race is about to begin, which Kaz really, 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 really wants to watch. When he can't get it to the engine to work, Tam is like, Well, that's three minutes of my life I can't get back. Anyway, let's go watch the race, Niku. And Niku is like, I also like watching races. Bye! And Kaz is frustrated, and he wants to, he wants to take a break and to watch the race. But Yeager is like, I'm sorry. But races are for people who actually finish their shifts, and you're still in the clock, kid. And Kaz whines that this is super unfair. And Yigra is like, Welcome to the real world, kid. It sucks. Have a great day. And Kaz pouts a moment. And then 
gets a real bending idea that every young person has done at some point in their life. Yeager never said that Kaz couldn't work on the engine outside. And Kaz winks at BB-8 and says, Loopholes! Gotta love them! And BB-8 is like, This is gonna end in horrible tragedy. I know it. Kaz pushes the engine outside to get started, but it's immediately distracted by Tora and Hype battling out in the air. And when it, which is also when the sputtering engine happens to kick on, and the hover lift is still on, so it's not grounded. And it just starts moseying towards the edge of the platform. And BB-8 sighs, smacks Kaz, and says, Hey, remember that tragedy I tried to warn you about 30 seconds ago? It's happening. And Kaz sees the engine, tries to stop it, and watches helplessly as it falls over the edge and into the ocean below. Needless to say, Yeager is pissed. And he is like, I gave you one job. And Kaz is like, stop saying one job. We established last episode, never give anyone just one job. Because it will not get done. And Yeager starts tearing into him, laying down what's at stake here. As Kaz gets caught then it's not just him that gets in trouble, but also Yeager, Tam, and Niku too. Kaz literally rolls his eyes and says, I know it's not a game, Yeager. Oh, do you? Yeager snips back. Because if I didn't know better, you act like the Resistance is some sort of fancy country club that you can just join. And Kaz gets mad and storms off to Ansi's. He's all mopey at the bar, lamenting about his woes of having to, you know, work for a living. And suddenly, he lifts his head. He gets a feeling deep down in his gut. And Kaz looks around and says, I have this weird suspicion that something is about to happen, which will not only set me on a path of hating someone, but this person will give me huge problems a season from now. And as if on cue... Jace Rucklin comes up and goes, Wow! You're Kaz! You raised Tora in episode one! That was amazing! Hi, I'm Jace Rucklin. You should come hang out with me and the cool kids over here for non-specific reasons that have nothing to do with the plot. And Kaz goes with them. He meets the rest of Jace's team, Lynn and Gorak, and he's enamored that they get time off. And Kaz, honey, you've been here five days. You don't need a day off yet, honey. You're fine. And Recklin's crew brings up that Yeager used to be a racer and apparently has a really fast ship, somewhere that uses fuel boosts. And Kaz is like, Yeager? A racer? You're kidding, right? I just thought he was born as a grumpy old man that emerged from dry clay and came into existence. He's not like a cool guy or anything. And Jace leans in and says, You know, Kaz, peer pressure. It would be great to see Yeager's racer in action. Peer pressure. And Kaz is like, Yeager doesn't actually have a racer. That's not real. So Rucklin invites Kaz to come hang out. And Sorry, I'm laughing at myself. Um, and Rucklin leads him through some paths under the vents under the floor, which is only important to note because Kaz will use these passageways for the rest of the series, and it takes him... Yeah, so remember these passageways because he uses them. And it takes the him to two waiting speeder bikes. And R- and Rucklin's all like, you want to race me on these speeder bikes? And Kaz is like, oh, hell yes. I'm going to beat you. And Rucklin's like, 
<laughs> and Kaz is like, why are you laughing like that, Reckland? And Reckland's like, <laughs> no reason. Let's go! And they take off and race. But just as Kaz is pulling ahead, his bike just so happens to start to spark. And Reckland smiles because it's all part of the plan. Because he is, in fact, that bitch. This is that bitch Reckland. And he will always, and for the rest of the series, be known as that bitch. So that bitch speeds ahead and saves Kaz from the sabotage speeder bike and schmoozes over about this is what friends do. And they turn around and head back to the Colossus. Kaz and that bitch meet back up with Lynn and Garrick inside the Colossus, and everyone is happy to be alive. But uh uh-oh, Yeager turns the corner and berates Kaz in front of the cool kid. And Yeager's like, Kaz, I told you, you have work to do. And I know that bitch isn't going to pay you. And Ruckland's like, hey, ow, that's a mean nickname. And Yeager's like, can it, bitch? We all know that you're going to go to the first order at the end of the season. This ain't about you. And with a sad tail between his legs face, Kaz follows Yeager's out. And that bitch is all pleased because his plan's going accordingly. What'd you think of Act 1? It's okay. That bitch. Kaz is frustrating, but he's not super frustrating yet. Although, like, he's still just sort of, like, blankly going through it. But in I had hope in part one here because for, I, I think it was last episode I was talking about the, like, use your words conversation that characters can have that would have to avoid a lot of conflict. And they finally, like, um, um... Jaeger finally like lays it out like he should in this, you know, and just sort of tells him this is like the reality of what you're doing. And this is this is why you should be doing your work as a, you know, doing your work is actually doing your spy work, too, you know, in a way. He doesn't really put it that way, but that's, you know, sort of what, you know, he's yeah. saying from it. And he, he, he lays it out explicitly, you know, this is this is what you got to do. And and this is why you got to do it. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, I like that that showed up. Um, my only other notes are kind of um, just like shallow notes of cool stuff. Uh, I like uh, there's two there's two patented Star Wars dissolves in here. And they're both like circles, circle dissolves. And uh and after the second one, I realized, I'm like, oh, those are like, uh, they sort of remind me of the rings and the racing, you know, for racing around the, the station. So I thought that was kind of cool that it had. When you say it, like dissolves, you mean like the screen, screen wipes, right? The screen wipes, yeah. Or yeah, yeah screen yeah, wipes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They have ra- circled screen wipes. And, uh, and, and I was like, oh, there's two circles in a row. And I'm like, oh, it's like the, it's like the rings. So I thought that was a cool little visual element that they threw in. And the music it when he's running around in the station is uh reminded me a lot of the the music that you heard like leading up to the the Jawas and uh around like the sand people area on tattooing. It was weird. It was it was a it was uh, it, 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 I wouldn't have thought that that the mood of those pieces would have fit in there, but they f- kind of fit perfectly. It was, it was neat. Yeah, I actually, this was the first episode that I kind of like noticed the music as well. Like, I, I have a music note. I, I think it's in Act Two, um, but just like little things, like 
like later in Act Three, when Bucket like realizes the feel is gone, like the music just suddenly just like dun 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 dun. I'm I'm really disappointed. I can't find any soundtrack music for Resistance. I'm that's one of the downfalls of it being maybe not one of the more popular Star Wars series. Is it's it doesn't not seem like Kiner doing huh? it. It's not Kevin Kiner doing it either. So. No, but it just seems like maybe there was not the, you know, they just didn't feel there was a demand for it or anything. So they didn't seem to release any of the, you know, besides the like opening and closing credits, mm-hmm. which for all I know, somebody just like cut out of the, the TV show, you know? Yeah, like the. So, yeah, which you, I mean, you totally can do because they're, they're like separate elements. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's a shame because the music on this is really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, most of my notes for this first act was kind of shallow. Um, I like that we open with Kelly's learning that sometimes you have to miss cool things while you're working on the clock. Been there, done that, Kaz. Definitely been at work and checking my phone for Comic-Con notes. <laughs> been there, done that. Um, I just, I just love also Christopher Sean voice acting Kaz. Um, because if you ever hear Christopher Sean speak, like, Kaz is like an octave and a half higher than his normal speaking voice. Like, and his little high pitched screams are just, they're so funny. And just the frantic, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it just, it makes me laugh. And I actually like that little bit of the, the, the comedic timing of the engine falling over because it's just like a slow motion train wreck and you see it fall over and just that wide shot of just watching it all slowly fall into the water. It, it just made me laugh. Um, uh, 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 um, Yeager laid down a little bit of foretelling prophecy because he tells Kaz if he gets caught, it's the end. What the? F- it just fell off my desk. I don't know. I need to clean my desk. Um, Yeager uh, says if he gets caught, it's the end of all of them. Well, that kind of happened in the season one finale because Kaz gets ratted out and it puts a target on the Colossus for the rest of the show. Um, so I, I like that little groundwork with Yeager there. Aunt Z's line about regretting the first time she met Kaz is perfection because Aunt Z is perfect. Love her. Love the thirsty old woman that hits on Kaz for the rest of the show. <laughs> Love her. And when I found out that she was voiced by Greg Proops, that was just excellent. Um, so I guess this is kind of the big note and it's just more of just kind of noting it and pointing it out. Um, I'm really interested as we're going through this first season, because I know he doesn't show up a lot, but whenever Jace does show up for the rest of the season, we know that him and Lynn, who is the female on the team, they go to the First Order with Tam. And rewatching the bike race really showcases why Ruckland was perfect for the First Order. You know, he set up this plan. He he recognized that Kaz was an outsider, which means that he wouldn't know, you know, the ins and outs yeah, of the Yeah, no, he's, he's not just perfect for First Order. He's officer material. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a future uh, Hux, <laughs> basically. Yeah, absolutely. He's the Hux, Hux in the making. 
Because we we know in the next act that like Kaz is like I was hanging out with with Rucklin and Niku goes oh they're bad people you need to stay away from them but Rucklin was like oh that Kaz person doesn't know us like we can use him he's with Yeager he's clearly unhappy well, like the everything around the bike race and like getting the bike race to sabotage to trick Kaz and take advantage of his naivety. Like, it sets up everything of why Ruckland was perfect for the First Order. This reminds, actually, now that 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 point that you made just made me think about jobs that I've had where I've gone into a job that's been, like, I I pretty much only work for, like, small businesses or, you know, small companies and stuff. But sometimes some of them have been around for, you know, 20 years or 30 years. So -hmm. they have an established core of employees, you know. And then you find yourself the new guy. And when you, and I find, and very much like he's a new guy on this, on the um, station. And especially if you're naive, the first, the first few days of work in places like that, you always get approached by the worst, you know, the, the worst element there. And they try to like, be like, Hey, I know what's going on around here and I'll help you out. And then like, as you've worked there a couple months, people are like, yeah, don't listen to that guy. And you, and you so, slowly realize that that guy was just trying to, like, get get you going along with, with that stuff or just use you to their advantage because you're the new guy, you know, and you hadn't found out that they're the sneaky one at the, at the job yet. And that, yeah. that's re- what this is reminding me of. Absolutely. Like, and it's, it's really interesting, too. Um, the other part of this I wanted to note because um, it's so minor, and this is his biggest appearance in the show. But Gorak, who is the alien member of Ruckland's team, is the only member of Ruckland's team that doesn't go to the First Order. Um, yeah, he might not have been as welcome in the First Order, you know? I know, because this is also Lynn's biggest role. And we only see her, I think, once in Season 2, where she is running with Ruckland and Tam to go to training. And that's it. And so I, and I think later, either in the same episode or the episode after it, we see Gorak working with Yeager in like one of the hangers of season two. And it just really stood out to me. I'm just like, oh, no, the one alien was very smart not to go. <laughs> Good job, alien. Uh-huh. Good job, Gorak. So, yeah, like this, this whole bike scene was just knowing the rest of Jace's story was very enlightening because you can just see see the first orderness inside jace so <clears throat> but that's all i have for this chapter uh, chapter this act did you have anything else it's a chapter sure no not really all right on to chapter two act two so kaz is still getting his ass chewed out by yeager but this time it's with tam and niku there and tam is having a really good time with all of this when she and Yeager wander off, Kaz keeps ranting to Niku, going, Ugh, I wish I could hang out with my real friends, Rucklin. And Niku is like, Oh, Kaz, that youth is called that bitch for a reason. He is not a good person to associate with. They like to laugh and be lazy and have fun. They are the worst. So Kaz, who at this point is kind of the worst too, just goes, Niku, look, shiny thing, go get it. And he tricks Niku and sneaks out of there. Hey, Cass- Hope. Huh. I'm sorry to interrupt here. I just noticed you do a good Niku impression. Can oh, I make you. a can I make a suggestion for the end of the season? Sure. Nikulution. Oh, I haven't thought about the the evolution at the end of the season. 
How about a Nikolushin? I'll have to think on that. That's you that's could a write very... it in Niku, Niku talk. That's that's a I you know I haven't thought about that. I, I was actually because yeah, I was sort of like who because because the thing about resistance is I don't think I have like one specific favorite character um, because I like so many. So I was like thinking like either Orca and Flix or Aunt Z. Um, I thought Sonara. Um, so I'll 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 think about Flork that. Volution. Huh? Flork Volution. Flork. Like an Orca. Oh, Florka. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll I'll think about that because uh, yeah yeah I haven't thought about the evolution yet. Um, yeah, I almost just want it from like the point of view of like the Colossus just being like, and then this bitch showed up one day and I was just a happy ship. <laughs> Yeah, we'll <gasps> I actually did have half a chance, thought about having it from OP Pit's point of view, though. Just the, like the the floor scrubber guy is just like, and then they uh, got dirty. Those bitches. Yeah. Oh my god. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. But thank you. <laughs> Nick, the whole thing about doing like voicing Niku is just like knowing that it's high pip chimpeppy, but you also have to make sure that you take your pauses too. He likes yes, to pause. He's, he's, and he's very he he he's very precise. It's basically like a happy go lucky data from Star Trek the Next Generation. Yeah. That youth is called that bitch for a reason. So anyway, where were we? Uh Kaz sneaks out. Kaz goes to Ruckland's garage, which is totally awesome, and where the cool kids hang out, complete with like rock music and stuff. <laughs> they show Kaz Ruckland's new ship which they specifically note that everything deemed unnecessary, unnecessary, a.k.a. the safety stuff, has been stripped out of it for speed. And that bitch looks at Kaz and says, Hey Kaz, have you seen Solo? That movie is set like 50 years before this series. And Kaz is like, Yeah, the Kessel Run was awesome. And that bitch Rucklin smiles and goes, Yeah, about that Kessel Run. We could totally use some hyperfuel that most certainly isn't in Yeager's private hangar. So, Kaz, you want to sneak me into Yeager's private hangar only to see his racer and nothing else? Kaz doesn't know about this. He's already in a lot of trouble with Yeager. But he doesn't want to upset the cool kids either. And BBA's there and just looks up at Kaz like, Dude, dude, Kaz, my dude. You're smarter than this. But the cool kids are there like, peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure. <laughs> oh, and since that bitch quote unquote saved his life earlier in the episode, Kaz agrees to a quick look. They wait until good old Bucket, is, uh, who is oblivious to the world, goes into Yeager's office and Kaz sneaks the bitch in. And they avoid Bucket for a few moments until they're left alone. Kaz looks around in wonder at Yeager's things. There's racing trophies up on the shelf. But there's also a holographic photo showing Yeager at the Battle of Jakku. And the next photo shows Yeager with a wife and daughter, who clearly is not with him right now. And suddenly, Kaz feels really bad about sneaking in. And they also suddenly hear Yeager coming in. And so is Tam! So Kaz and that bitch hide as they move around the office. 
Tim is not happy that Kaz is still not fixing the engine, but Yeager tells her to give him a break. He gave her one, which I'm just noting this tiny piece of character right here because that's some character info right there, right there. Tam sighs and heads out. Yeager pauses a moment, seeing the hollow photo thingy on the counter and not on the shelf where he left it. He turns it back to the picture of Jakku, not the picture of his wife and daughter, signaling there is some trauma right here on the Yeager train. Toot toot! And all this... In all the sneaking, bitches will be bitches, and Ruckland swipes the hyperfuel off the shelf. <laughs> this one's for our other podcast, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we are currently watching Gravity Falls. Once Yeager leaves, Ruckland looks at Kaz and yells in good old Stan Pines fashion, NON-SPECIFIC EXCUSE, and runs out of there. <laughs> Cass follows and goes into Ruckland's shop where him and his group of friends hide the hyperfuel. And you know what that bitch does? He blows off Kaz and hurts his feelings like a jerk. And Kaz is all sad and has no more excuses and has to go back to work. Meanwhile, Best Boy Bucket is taking inventory and realizes that the hyperfuel is missing. And he panics straight into the commercial break. What'd you think of Act 2? I think this might be my favorite act of the the whole thing, although it's also part of my most, like, (coughs) well, get the frustrating stuff out of the way first, is this is, you know, I mean, he, Kaz and Jaeger just had, it's, this is a very repetitive episode, like, it's, like, the first gag of the episode is him going, look, I fixed an engine, and then starting it, and it, and it, you know coughs to life and then goes out in a puff of smoke exact it's the same gag as the end of the last episode and it resolves i thought they were going to do a variation of it where something different happened and the only thing that was different was it wasn't attached to the to the the fighter or the you know the the racer at that time so it was weird it was kind of, and then and then they had their their very explicit conversation and uh you know and and when um, Jaeger's sort of like, are you goofing off again and stuff? He's just like, I didn't think it would be a problem. Like directly after he just had that conversation with Jaeger. So it's it's frustrating. I guess maybe I'm at dad age or something. So I'm getting frustrated with him like a teen. <laughs> dad age. I'm at dad age where I think about it. as just like, Jesus Christ, somebody's got to put their boot in this kid's ass. But um, um <laughs> I can. I just imagine Scott Lawrence saying that in Yeager's voice, just like, Jesus Christ, I had to put my boot in your ass. Yeah. I uh, also heard it know, in Hank I also heard it in Hank Hill's voice too. Like somebody needs to put a boot in that kid's ass. And <laughs> with propane and propane accessories. Yeah. Oh my god. Hank Hill would totally work on this gas station and be like, I sell hyperfuel and hyperfuel accessories. Yeah. <laughs> god, I miss King of the Hill. <laughs> there's there, there, there's rumors of of a new King of the Hill, but I've I've, I've heard uh, that there's been rumors for a new King of the Hill for a few years now. For a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, but this this uh this this episode doesn't have the visual aspect for me, and it has the frustrating Kaz part. But this is my favorite part of the episode because it has that scene that you were just talking about, where um, Kaz looks at 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 
Jaeger's pictures and then Jaeger flips through the picture and leaves it on a, you know, not his wife and child. Right. And like, and the second, the second Kaz is looking at the picture of the wife and child, he goes through the same mental process, mental, you know, math that the, the, um, viewer is going through of like, Oh, he has what wife and kids. And then you think about his character and you think, yeah, he's not uh, he's not a scoundrel type character or anything. It's not like he's estranged from his wife and his kids. And then you realize, you know, he's from wartime. You put two and two together. You go wife and kids are gone, you yeah. know. And so that instantly, you know, and then you see Kaz realize it at the same time. And then you see Jaeger, you know, sort of confirm it by the just. And in a very, unca- like, in a more subtle way, it, like, I think there's, you know, that they, they're cutting the balance between they know there's there's adults watching the show and they know there's kids. So they have stuff that's very broad, repetitive and obvious. And then they have subtle stuff like that because Jaeger just sort of, you know, like if I was a kid, he just looks like he just sort of like ah flip, 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 like someone flipping through their phone, you know. And then just puts it down. But like, you know, from from that, you know, from that little bit of storytelling right there, we know that he was just like had took a quick trip down memory lane and then immediately shut it off. You know, it's it's real. And that's one one of the things that I actually love about Resistance is how subtly deep it is. Um, It takes like a few watchings to catch like all the little things um like that like that one tiny moment of Yeager making the active choice to not leave it on his wife and child to not look at them just speaks of trauma and it's it's such good subtle visual storytelling and um and and we're gonna find out like in a few episodes um when whatever episode that Yeager's brother shows up like we're gonna find out his family is has passed away they're dead they are gone right Um, there's trauma there and Actually, I might as well go ahead and do my eager note. Um, yeah, that's but, all my notes anyway, so you might as well, yeah, go. Yeah, go and for it. one thing I like, and, and I'm talking about this both with Yeager and all of the adults of this show, and kind of actually everybody. Um, it was frustrating when I was watching it, but now looking back at it as as a whole, I really like the openness of everyone's story. There's, it's not like they have every concrete moment down, you know, um, we don't know every detail of like Kaz's family. We just know that his dad's a senator. Like we don't know his mom. We don't know his rest of his family or his friends or anything. We only know the broad strokes of like Yeager's story. We know like when we get to the Dozas that Emmanuel used to be an Imperial and Vanessa was a rebel, which is how they met and they got together and he defected. Um, but like, so we have these like very broad stroke stories and while it would have been cool to have something like Clone Wars where we got like so many episodes where it was like every moment of Ahsoka Tano's life for three years. But those, those ones are like built into they're they're like built injected into the main storyline. This is a sideline. This is, this is happening with the main storyline and you know, like. Yeah. You know, Poe Dameron shows up in it, but this is a this is a side story and like so like the characters aren't mythical in this. They're not the mythical characters and the characters that surround them that are their like demigod 
these are the these are the down and dirt. So so you learn about everybody like you do in real life by just picking up things here and there as you interact with them in there. And everybody's like when when you're in a situation like that, where you're just sort of everybody's crammed together on that one, that one little area or like you're in like or say you were in to, for our world, you know, a small like paper mill town where everybody works at the paper mill or or works at something that's sort of based on or around the paper mill. You aren't you, you're you're in no hurry to like track down everybody's story, figure out everybody's yeah. story. You just have to live life there and you pick it up as you go along. So you just keep slowly putting the puzzle that, you know, and after after you live there for fifty dollars, fifty dollars, after you live there for fifty dollars, after you live there for 50 years, you know, you know where like a lot of the skeletons are buried and, you know, yeah. which people are grumpy, but they're they got a good heart and all that, you know, and stuff like that. But it takes it takes years of and, there, you know, and if you sit there and like. Yeah, you're, you're, you're ruining your small town life if you sit there and try to, like, get to know someone too well. You just you're going to you're going to get to know everybody there, whether yeah, you like and, and the ones you don't like, you're going to have to get to know. And it puts trust in the audience, too. I, I think that puts a lot of trust in the audience because I, I also think there's kind of a trend in media where, especially kind of in this, this is kind of the dangers of having an almost MCU like Star Wars, where we almost have too much story, where we like, where we know um, like every detail of a character's life and every beat. Like, I love Ahsoka, but I, I feel like some, like we're starting to get to the point where we're starting to know too much about her um, instead of letting there be some like mysticism to her and same thing like with Luke. Um, So when, when we have these characters that we know, like every beat of their life, it starts taking away about the mysteries of them. And I, also notice this show has given us a ton of characters too. So it's like, it can't like, it doesn't have time to focus on it. It's too involved in, that it's it it builds in its own level of sort of chaos to keep it from focusing too much on any on anyone for and very long. It, and it kind of actually reminds me a lot of I don't want to say older television, but like television to where you have almost archetypal characters, where then the audience kind of fills in the details themselves. Like one of my favorite things is thinking about how. Vanessa and Emmanuel met. Um, it, it, I've actually considered what, writing that fan fiction a lot, and it actually feels like old fan fiction heydays, where like we were just given the basics and the audience filled in, and you would get all these beautiful pieces of fan fictions, and no two were alike. To me, like this show is just like craving like creativity for the fans to actually participate. I've written resistance fan fictions. I worked with my with uh, my friend June. We wrote a post-Tross fan fiction together where she did the artwork and I did the the fic of Kaz and Poe at, at, after the Battle of Exegol and talking about Leia, which was something that I always wanted to see in this show, but it didn't happen. And so it allowed me to have this creative outlook. Mm-hmm. And I think there is runs the risk of when shows get too much into certain characters because it takes away... I, you know, I used to joke about this when I used to watch Once Upon a Time. Because for one, that show ran for about three seasons too long. But when you we had seen every point of the character Regina, 
when we saw in, in Snow White too, we saw every point of their lives. We saw them as babies, as little girls, as teenagers, and as women up to their present things. And I used to joke with my friend, I was like, are we going to get an episode about Regina's first period? Because we've seen everything else. There's nothing else for them to explore. And I used to joke about that. And and I think there are a few characters like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my black metal daddy. I love Vader. I love Anakin. But gosh, we have like, what, four comic runs with Vader just in Marvel in the last five years? It have- just yeah, but it. I mean, that's the that's the problem with it being a commercial element too. It's like Batman. Yeah. Vader. Va- everybody loves Vader. Everybody knows who Darth Vader is, no matter I mean, what say, level they say, are in Star Wars. I do want to so. say this: Soul and Pax Run have been doing really good because they talked about like the psyche of Vader. Yeah. Which well, which was really really it's interesting. Also, one of the only characters. That of the existing like Luke and Han and Leia and all the all the original characters, he's the one that has the most like potential for dramatic stories, you know, because you've yeah. got a fucking walking talking drama queen as <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a suit and a cape, you know, and he's an emotional wreck, Snaps. and he's full of power, but at the same time, you know, so you have like. So the tempt and I'm sure those are the best selling books too, because if you're just no matter how deep you are into Star Wars from the very surface down to as deep as you can get, the safest bet for you to go out and probably buy a Star Wars comic is probably something with featuring Darth Vader, you know, for yeah, for it to be interesting and intriguing and familiar. So, you know, and Batman's the same way with DC. They have to do like five Batman things to one of every other thing because that's what everybody loves Batman, you know. That's so. why the like the Bat Wedding was such a controversial thing because they were going to be doing this entirely new thing and then they were just like, psych for 50 more issues. <laughs> and it was hot because people were so excited to have this kind of new direction of Batman of like, Batman married to Catwoman and like what is that dynamic and like and then yeah and and I I, I still stand by that <laughs> I, that that was a, a nice part of that run because then we got to explore Bruce's psyche um and you know they eventually got together and they're married and all that fun stuff um married oh well, yeah and he's messed up and he's got a cape and a costume and he's yeah. full of trauma and and he's a drama queen so they're very similar you know but you can only kill martha so many times <laughs> you know there's only yeah. so many times you can kill well, martha before you have to change that shit up hold my beer says whoever's doing batman next <laughs> but yeah so i i actually that's one of my things that i like about resistance is they the, they purposely paint characters in broad strokes and just as you said because there's not enough time to explore every single person but it allows the audience to really have fun with like the what-ifs and like filling in those gaps and like letting their imaginations go wild which i really appreciate so um my only shallow note is i love the music playing in ruckland's garage when kaz first watched in walks in it's like this like guitar metal solo that's just pounding in the background it sounds like it sounds like bass the alien guy should have had a mullet <laughs> i don't know if celestins have hair i don't 
Yeah, he should well, have a helmet that has a some, mullet. Somebody should have had a mullet on. Somebody should have had something, or like a headpiece that looked like a mullet or something, because it, oh, it's like the metalheads also. Be like the Iron Squadron from Rebels, Chris. Yeah, yeah it's all the that, that's all the metalheads in my high school used to hang around and work on their cars and stuff. Um, and then my other big note, um, so so I started kind of thinking about this idea of like Niku being the voice of the Colossus. Um, and so it said a lot when he specifically notes that Recklin and his crew are not great. And looking at the context of everything around them, Recklin pretty much has everything he needs to be an ace pilot, except for being an, a good guy and working hard for it. He wants to cheat his way off up to the top. And Yuku points out that they are lazy and they pull pranks on the people in the Colossus. And so I think, um, what did I write here? So I thought that was an interesting scene with Niku pointing all that out because he kind of is voicing how the rest of the classes feels about them. Yeah, because yeah they've all learned their lesson. Everything they need. They all, they all, they all basically went through what Kaz just went through in some way or another, you know, because because mm-hmm. he showed that he's willing. Because basically he he manipulated Kaz, but the second he got what he wanted, he was done. He was like, I'm not even going to pretend to be this guy's friend anymore in case I can get anything else from him. You know, I'm I'm done with him. I got the hyperfuel. Now I can just be like, yeah, 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 and, and chuck him out. So he's probably done that over and over and over in, in the station and has a reputation for it. So Yeah, yeah. And it was just Niku probably kind of setting that that you know, Niku was setting that ground rules for that. Um, Because I just keep, like, I think if Rucklin actually just put in the, like, like someone like Tam, you know, Tam has clearly put in the hard work. She just hasn't had the means to do it. Rucklin clearly has the means to do it, but I think because of his cheating and his, you know, like, his manipulating others and stuff like that, I I bet this is where those broad strokes comes in. Um, for, of these characters, I bet that he had the chance to be an ace, and he got caught cheating. And the other aces were like, "Nah, bro, you gotta beat us fair and square for, to to be one of us." And like that made him just like cheat harder. I I could see that story happening because we know from the race, the little biker race from Act One, that he's that kind of character. He has that first order men- mentality about him. That he's not going to, he's like any good Imperial. He's not going to work hard. He's going to cheat his way to the top because that's what they do. And so, yeah. But that's all I had for Act 2. Anything else? No, I'm ready to finish this Ruckland up. Wrap this Ruckland up. That bitch! Chuck him in the water. I'm about to yell, so. Here we go. Act 3. Kaz returns to the hangar, where Tam and Niku are freaking out with Bucket over the missing hyperfuel. And Tam is like, this is bad. If someone doesn't know how to use hyperfuel, their ship is like a giant bomb. And Kaz is like, wait, that's a thing? And Tam is like, you're supposed to be a mechanic. You should know that. And Kaz is like, shit, Reckland should have known better. And Niku is like, ah, I like screaming too. Ah. Cass sprints out of there, leaving the other two behind as Bucket just panics in the background, and it's really cute. <laughs> that bitch Recklin is back in his hangar, just dumping the hyperfuel into his racer without even trying to read the directions because he's an idiot. And he hops in his ship and gets ready for the race. Kaz is 
sprinting through the halls with Colossus, getting hit on by old ladies and stuff. But it's so crowded that he won't make it to Ruckland's hangar in time. Luckily, the one good thing that that bitch did was teach Kaz a shortcut that he will then continue to use for the rest of the series. Kaz hops uh, uh, into the floor under the vents and sprints down to the hangar. On the final countdown, Kaz leaps out and hops on Ruckland's ship. He pops open the hood, demanding that Ruckland shut it down. But in the process, they both launch out into the race. Luckily, Kaz's foot hits the eject button and launches them both out of the ship up into the sky. And seconds later, that bitch's ship explodes under the water. And Kaz, you should have just left him to die. Because that bitch is going to be a problem for the next two seasons. I'm just saying, you should have just, just let him die. Anyway... Remember how earlier Ruckland's team was all like, Oh, hey, we took out all the safety stuff to make the ship faster. Yeah, Kaz and Ruckland are now plummeting to their death because there's no parachute on the ejection chair. Luckily, BB-8 is there, proving that droids are the greatest heroes in all of Star Wars. He launches out a cable and catches the boys. Uh, but their weight is too much. BB is slipping. They're all gonna die! That is until Yeager kicks in the door and says, Not today, protagonist. I will save you. And I guess Reckland too, because he's an antagonist to the plot or whatever, and he's here. So, anyway. Between Yeager and BB-8, they're able to pull the guys to safety. But, oh boy, Yeager is pissed. He turns and leaves. And you know who is also pissed? That bitch, Reckland. That bitch just storms right up to Kaz, and he's like, Dude, you blew up my ship. I poured my entire life savings into that thing. And Kaz is like, Bitch! Wait. Oh, that's why everyone calls you that bitch. Because you're being a bitch right now. I just saved your life, asshole. You stole the hyperfuel, and you blew up your own damn ship. You can step right off because this is your fault. So you take your little crew and you walk right over there and you can fuck right off because I'm Kazuna Siono and you don't know it, but I could sue you. I could sue you! I lost my spot because I went off my notes. Where am I? <laughs> oh, so Reckland just slithers away. <laughs> I could sue you! Space sue. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned into like Pacifica Northwest because remember when she was yelling at the golf ball people and she was like, I can sue you! I can own all of you! <laughs> I'll own all the golf ball people. This will be mine! <laughs> Guys, go watch, go listen to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. We have a really good time over there too. And it just so happens that Yeager overheard the entire exchange and he goes to the window and looks up at Doza Tower where... Hey, wouldn't you know it, there's Captain Emmanuel Doza looking out and down at them. Yeager worries that they're attracting the unwanted attention. Back of the shop, Kaz is scared of being fired. But Yeager says, Kaz, you suck at being a mechanic and a spy, but you're a good person, and it's time to learn how to be better at the other two things. Which doesn't go well. As Kaz starts to clean engine parts and watch a race, he still hasn't learned how to turn off a hover lift, and all the shit falls over the edge. The end! Yeah, like so I guess le lesson learned. He has a goldfish brain. Jesus. But, but like, he's, in, a, 
He's a cute little goldfish. But like, yeah, and and also, and also, he had that extra moment where he heard Jaeger stand up for him to uh, to Tam. You know, where she was yeah. like, bitch, and he was like, no, he's a good kid. And remember, I, I like did the same thing for you. And she yeah. was like, oh, you know, so but and still he's still and still instead of being like, I'm going to make extra sure I don't dump the engine into the ocean again. He does it again. And 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 another little repetition is like Tam, but, you know, is does the same sort of thing. She's this is the third time she's done it in three episodes where. She's just like, this guy pisses me off. And then at the end, she's just she's warming up to him a little bit, you know. But then it, it's sort of a repetitive cycle. But um, I think that is good on Tam's part, though, because she was against him. Episode one. But seeing her warm up a little bit, I feel like that's, you know, she was. But she'll warm up again. And then at the beginning of the next episode, she'll be oh. back to fuming about him and then warm up again. I, I know. I don't think it's fuming, up. though, because it's not the fuming that it was episode one. Like, she's understandably frustrated because she's been told that this guy went to mechanic school in Coruscant and he can't do anything. And they had trouble with the customer last episode. And, like, in this one, yeah. he lost an engine part. So she's, I think, to me, like, understandably upset. Yeah. But well, with I'm, her warming up, hold on, let me finish. Um, with her warming up to him, we're gonna see their friendship start to grow and grow and grow, which is why it's such a huge betrayal at the season one finale when they have that rift split open. She realizes that she's been lied to and she leaves for the first order. So I, I don't have a problem with any of this. I just, it's, I'm just sort of, I don't really have a problem with it. I'm just sort of, it's just sort of a, a different. The, the way that they're doing it is sort of a repetitive thing rather than have it be but sort of her start at one point and then it goes to a, a point, you know, instead of her being fuming and slowly warming up to this point, she's sort of going through a pattern of fuming and warming up and mad and warming up and mad and warming up. So it's just that it's... That realistic subtlety though because we all have that like one person that at work that we that annoys us yeah he's but we also secretly like him he's a frustrated yeah. character he's frustrating me <laughs> yeah but and i think that's where that like because to me like resistance is probably the most is the realest of the three shows like we know all these archetypes we've yeah. been around these people like these yeah. are the most lived in characters it's, that we've had of the three animated it's, shows it's it's grounded we really don't have much we have little glimmers of the force and the and the you know the rebellion and stuff in this but it's it's a very grounded series uh, speaking of which my only other note and this is this is not a complaint it's just an observation that i just realized about this whole show is uh, a lot of this show is spent with people running from one place to another. And and I was just like thinking about that. And then I'm like, oh, of course, because, you know, in all the other shows, you got to get people from planet to planet, halfway across the planet, you know, across the city. So it's all speeder bikes and stuff. This year on a little little place and it's you're 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 just on foot, you know. I'm sure there's mm -hmm. there's definitely places to take elevators, but you just do a lot of running around in it. So it's just part of the daily life there. And it helps ground the whole show, too. And it also shows why they're so psyched when they get to, like, ride a speeder bike or get in a ship and, and fly around because they've been run, running around on land 
the whole time, you know? Yeah, they're in the middle of an ocean. Yeah. There's nowhere yeah, to yeah. run to. Yeah, so it's it's uh, just an observation. But that's all I got for part three. And I think that's why, like, the groundedness is probably why early resistance is so frustrating for so many people is we all know someone like Kaz, you know? We know that person. We know that Tam. We know that Yeager. We know that Niku. Like, we know people like this in our lives. And I think it's very easy to bring our own experiences into these characters while... And and I don't want to say not letting the characters breathe on their own, but because this is the most realistic of the three series that we've had so far, I, I think it's very easy to bring our own baggage into it. While comparing it also to the previous two shows, because it's so drastically different, it's so easy to compare it to Clone Wars or Rebels. And just being like, well, this isn't like those. Well, no, it's not. It's a completely different show, a different storytelling, different characters in a different era. So I... I I, 100%. I personally, even if it, even like I would have to say this is the least favorite of the three animated Disney stuff, but that, you know, whatever, they're all great series. But this is, I mean, this is what I sort of wanted Star Wars to start doing is trying different things, you know? Yeah. Trying a little, di- uh, you know, a little different look, which is is fine, but also a little, di- you know, a different approach. They have the time and the time to do it, and they have to put out a lot of stuff. So you might as well, and 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 that's why I'm always disappointed when something like this doesn't doesn't get the reaction that something that's more familiar gets. You know, I mean, I'm people actually... people had to sort of settle into Clone Wars, so people had to settle into Rebels. Yeah, but like by Rebels, they'd had a, you know, Clone Wars had set like a precedent. Like when Clone Wars well, first came out. That had its own riff. Um, yeah, oh yeah. Because what happened was, you know, a lot of people were really excited for Rebels, but the people who were very angry about the Disney buyout and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like there is even just today, oh, what was it? Like even just today. Let me see. Bring this up, Maria. Maria was the one that was raising yeah, tweeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there were people going, "This is this is Disneyfied," or this is, and it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't Clone Wars. Ryan Quinn of Impractical Jokers, um, uh, one million followers, just tweeted today. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Just tweeted today. Um, finally watched Star Wars Rebels and can only apologize to myself for not watching it sooner what a great show Star Wars at its absolute best Ezra Berger might be my favorite Star Wars character I thought it was a kid show I'm an idiot that's today five years what five years after the show started airing and that's that's kind of the thing is like I've actually stopped comparing the two I don't have a favorite animated series because clone wars is so drastically different from rebels which is so drastically different from resistance and all the shows are doing completely different things like and i have and hold on i I have favorite i have i have favorite parts of each of them because they're each doing different kinds of storytelling like i don't have a favorite because i can't it's comparing fruit like it's all different kinds of fruit when clone wars and rebels started sharing characters they started they they started sort of melding together a little bit, but that was after it was already firmly established, you know. So, but but this is this is just 
but they were still <clears throat> both Clone Wars, maybe a little more than Rebels, were both set firmly in the stories of the main movies. You know, I mean, yeah. Hey, I, I, I mean, I mean, so is so is Resistance, but this was like these were like you know, Ahsoka has direct ties to Anakin and Darth Vader. You know, you have characters that are like you know, meeting Obi-Wan Kenobi and stuff like that, you know, whereas, whereas resistance is, is completely for not just for Disney star Wars or the animated star Wars, just for star Wars in general, it's a totally, it's, it's, it's a little more different than rebels was from clone wars. You know, it was a little more of a jump in, in tone and setting and approach and everything. And I think people weren't just, were just weren't patient enough to to settle into it, you know, to get to the parts that they liked. Like like you had to settle into Clone Wars and Rebels sort of when they when they first came out. So yeah. I mean it's, honestly it's, a little, Clone it's Wars just a little disappointing to me. Like Clone Wars to me doesn't find its stride until season three. Like right. the first three seasons are very hit and miss. It's either really good or bad. And that's just part of it. And um, the, the, the Star Trek fans are just starting the new Star Trek series, the Discovery series. I'm I haven't I haven't really started hitting the third season that they're all talking about, but they're going like, boy, this thing is now starting to feel like real Star Trek and stuff. And that happened with Star Trek: The Next Generation, which is sort of held as the you know gold standard of Star Trek TV shows. Mm-hmm. You know, more so than the, even the original series. So, you know, yeah. I mean, in as time goes on, this stuff comes out in the wash. You know, that's why that's why I love when we get on this stuff. You know, that we've been doing this for years and finally get to drink that sweet, sweet cream when somebody goes like, "Wow, I was completely wrong about Rebels." You know. Yeah. And absolutely. it's awesome, and then you get to see that you you know you know that they. <laughs> You know that somebody sat down and just got their mind blown, you know, by uh, face whales. I, I, I was thinking, um, uh, one of the you know, Ahsoka and Vader fighting or so, or Vader's first yeah. appearance or something. But yeah, it could be any number of things. But it could it could be the very first moment that like like Kanan draws his lightsaber in Episode One. Like, there's any moment where somebody just, like, got their mind blown and was hooked. Yeah, and was just like, okay, this is Star Wars. Yeah, so, yeah. But it's yeah. it's fun. It's fun that people take. And, you know, I've done that, too. There's been stuff that I've taken time to get to that I know I should get to. <clears throat> Avatar and and that, you know, you know, five years later, I'll be going, like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's already, like... Almost, That's what happened with the know, prequels. Vintage. <laughs> huh? Like my my generation grew up with the prequels. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. this was my first Star Wars movie, and now twenty years later, like the prequels are beloved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. I'm just saying it's fun being ahead of our time. Yeah. Um, did you have any other notes? No. Um, I only have two notes for this section. Um we don't get a lot of Bucket in this series, but what we do get, he's just adorable. I just love seeing him just freaking out in the background, just like, the hyperfield. <laughs> so when we do get little snippets of bu- Bucket, I do I do love him. Yeah. Um, and then the, the only other big note I have, <clears throat> I started thinking about it, 
And it's actually quite striking how similar Kaz and Rucklin are in a lot of ways. Um, both are a little bit lazy and don't like doing things the hard way at this at this point in the series. I'm going to note that at this point in the series. And we see Kaz trick Niku using his naivety the same way that Rucklin tricked Kaz earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're teenagers. They're, and they're, the, difference, well, the difference is that Kaz has a heart and he's actually a good person. And it made me realize that they both have a, the, the same character flaw. Because Rucklin doesn't accept the blame for his loss of his ship on his own actions. And he tries to pin it entirely on Kaz. That's what Kaz did episode one on Niku. And, and I think that's a very good moment for Kaz. And it, I don't think it's going to sink in right away. And I don't think it's going to truly start sinking in until probably early season two. But to be on the receiving end of that kind of behavior that he put on Niku for the first episode, to see that and to be on the receiving end, I think that's a huge Kaz moment that's yeah. going to come out definitely later, especially yeah. after Sam leaves. And that's the kind of thing that, like, you know, that's 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 the thing is with with people who've been raised in privileges, a lot of times they have to have it happen to them to develop the the empathy skills to realize, you know, what, what they've been doing to other people. Mm-hmm. I just thought of all the videos from this last week and there's people just being like, oh, this is what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, anyway. <laughs> um, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? No, you, you ready to score it up? Score this puppy up, Chris. All right, I'm I'm giving it a seven like the last one, but it's like I, it wasn't enough that I didn't enough lesser than the last one, I guess, in my mind that I would give it a like six point five or something. It's just solid, solid seven. If it would have, if it would have maybe had a little more visual punch to it, maybe I could have could have brought it up to a seven point five or an eight, but solid. For me, I actually it was all worth this. it for the moment for the backstory of Jaeger. Jaeger. I thought they did that really well. Yeah, that was a really nice moment. I don't think. <laughs> oh, you to... know what? What else I, I I wanted to mention before we get out of this is like I, I I do sort of wish that this had gotten more into the like in uh, had been partly more of a like in the racing aspect of this because I'm not a sucker for like muscle cars or or, you know, cool looking ships. Or, I like cool looking ships or something, but when they were like the, the, the way that they, um, the way that that ship that they, the bad kids were working on looked, it was like, that was a, that was a badass looking ship. Yeah. And you want, you want to see, you want to, and like the ships on this are very, like, I gotta say very rarely does it, do those buttons get pushed with me? Like only in like Mad Max movies do I go like, I want that car. But yeah. um, but the, these ships look badass. They they look like a toy I would want to hold in my hand and vroom around my room. So like I sort of wish there'd been some more of that in in this. I wish it had more time so we could have had you know almost like you know their version of pod racing at, going on with it too. Because I think I think that element of it. I, I think I mean that is a very popular element in anime 
which of course is beloved by people of all ages too. So and I think it would have influences tra- of the show too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it's directly yeah. And I if the, I think they I think they could have leaned into that even more so because I'm not a sucker for that stuff at all. I I'm sort of indifferent to it, and it's it's getting me suckered into it, and, <laughs> and then there's not enough of it for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. I, I feel like the racing, because especially because the racing aspect was so heavily, it, like, there was very little promotion for the show, and a lot of it was the racing element. And and uh, all the uh, racing characters were very very interesting looking, and it's, we got it's, we got Tor and hype. We don't really know shit about the other three. Yeah, yeah, but they look interesting, <laughs> and yeah. so like that. I, and I think if this was something that lasted five seasons, that could have been a major part of the show and would have been fun, you know, just, you know, to just the point of where the most drama in the show is who's going to win this race, you know, would have been, I mean, there's been whole anime series that that's the, 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 the point of every show, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I could, I, I think they, they could have leaned into that more. It's, it's kind of, and now that With I'm the thinking about it, the amount of story they have to tell in this two seasons, they couldn't. So it would have had to have been like a well, five, four or five that, season that's show. That's what I'm saying. Or what we're trying to say, which is we do end up getting the ships, but not in the way that they were promoted. So at the moment, like right now, they're all like racing ships, and and we know that the aces defend the classes and stuff like that. But there's a real emphasis early season two on getting the aces up to speed as fighter pilots. So they have to take these racing vessels and become fighter pilots, which is just not what they're trained to do. Um, So in a way, they do end up eventually showcasing the uniqueness of each ship, but it's done not in the way that it was the show was promoted, yeah. which is why I can see people were. You could have done upset. cool stuff, like have them have a couple battles where they like get, learn some maneuvers from having to fight space pirates, and then start using those maneuvers in the races. You know, and so you'll see a race, yeah. and you'll say, "Oh my God, that's a move that they learned." You know, fighting the pirates and that thing. It, yeah. It, you know, I mean, like any kind, like if it was a show set at a racetrack, it is a show set at a racetrack, <laughs> uh, a gas yeah. station racetrack. So I would have I would have put the race. I mean, it's an element in there. We had the races going on in here, but I would have made them an integral, dramatic part of the yeah the, the show. I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. Yeah, I, I, I feel that way, too. I feel like a third season. I, I, I still think. I, I still don't think feel for like any resistant. dramatic reason or anything, just because I, I really want to see it. I would have I think I really would have enjoyed it. I still think Resistance could have a third season now that Tross is out and they have an endpoint. And we know that Jaeger ship, Taurus ship and Kaz's ship were all at the Battle of Exegol. They have designs of it. They have actual Tross behind the scenes designs of their three ships. I still think that even now they could release a season three of Resistance. They really could. And connect that bridge between season two and Tross. Well, um, see, it, it might be a thing. It might have to sit for a little while and get get the like, because that's the thing is like, okay, people are just starting to learn. Like, there's a there's a clump of people going like, okay, maybe I should check out Clone Wars and Rebels, and so maybe that will lead to a a, a later on reassessment of of resistance and then they'll go like maybe we should do a third season you know maybe there'll be yeah. more demand yeah 
I mean, the the fans of Resistance, like, they stand it really hard. And we're going to be talking to a lot of them over the course of our coverage. Uh, <laughs> Good. Yeah. Like Those are the we, ones we want on the show. Yeah. And, like, they stand it really, really hard. Um, God, Brad over at, Brad and Sarah over at uh, Friends of the Force, their goal is to interview every voice actor in Resistance. Yeah. And they have done something like 15 of them so far. They've done all the major cast members. They've done um, Christopher Sean and Josh Brenner and Myrna Velasco. Um, they've done the villains, uh, except for I don't think they've done. Um, well, now they're going to have to like project. track down Proops and stuff like that. And Proops is like he's more of a actor, yeah. too, you know, they, so he they might be a little harder. Like, like, like uh, Gwendolyn Christie or anything. They've, they've, they haven't gotten to that tier yet, but that's their goal because they stand or, or the Oscar show. Isaac. So, say Brad and Sarah <laughs> interviewed the voice of Bebo, the, the, like, Niku's pet. Yeah, Because they sure. love this yeah. show that much. If, if that's your goal to get everybody, you got to get Bebo, you got to get Bucket, you got to get them all. You got to Pokemon that. that shit. But yeah, so I mean, I... So, like, the people who stand the show stand the show really, really hard. Um, but that said, I mean, we got to get more people on board. That's all yeah, we can that's do. How, so. That's always got to happen. That was that was sort of like how Clone Wars started. You remember the that first Clone Wars, that first Clone Wars panel where we met was, you know, it was kind of oh. combative with with the adults in the in the audience. You know, there were but people the looking at. People were looking to pick it apart, and it was in its first season of yeah. being out. And I think it was just between the seasons coming out, and we knew that uh, Boba Fett was, or may, it might have been into season two, because I think we talked to Kristik about like the Boba Fett a- episodes when Scott and I were talking about them. But it was early on, and people were were griping about it, and mm-hmm. uh, that's. Uh, and now those people who are griping about it. We're probably like, yeah, yeah, Rebel sucks. It's no Clone Wars, you know. So it's I mean, just you gotta go through it, I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, mean, was, um, I definitely recommend anybody um, look up Sky Talkers and their animation summer series they did back in 2020, uh, because they actually go like talk about 15 minutes about the rift between Clone Wars and Rebels fans and how a group of Clone Wars fans made it their sole mission to destroy Rebels. And because it wasn't Clone Wars. So, like, the Save the Clone Wars hashtag is both a good and a terrible thing because there was a lot of harassment and abuse towards Rebels fans and that hashtag Save the Clone Wars, which then en- ended up being Clone Wars Saved. Um, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the zero-sum thinking that people fall into. It's just like, Rebels can't exist, you know, Rebels and Clone Wars can't both exist at the same time. So... Clone Wars, you know, it's yeah. Just, it's I don't ridiculous. choose a favorite show. It's ridiculous. Show. Why not have both? And and in the end, what did what happened? We ended up having both. So yeah. But anyway, my score for the episode. <laughs> um, so for me, I actually like this episode slightly more than last week's episode. Um, I'm really enjoying going through this series with a fine tooth comb because this is just so much better than the first two times I watched it. Like. The seeds are all there for Jace's story going to the First Order. And he's a really good foil for Kaz, showing how easily Kaz could have been Recklin. And it's done really well, um, even if this isn't the most, like, exciting episode. 
and they do such good storytelling with Yeager's past, and it's such it's visual storytelling. There's no dialogue. It's just yeah, really it's, well it's, done, and it's just it's the briefest of shots it's it's everything else has been very broad and telegraphed in this so it's it was just nice to see that that that's something i'm more used to in this and it's they're starting to pepper it in so yeah Yeah. that 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 one scene told about the last oh what 20 years of history of yeager's life and the briefest of moments so yeah yeah, and, I, and it also affected his relationship with Kaz, right? Yeah. At the moment, as far as Kaz is concerned. Yeah. So I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I really enjoyed it. Really did, so. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page and Twitter for our episode, Gone with a Trace, with Brian from Pink Milk Podcast, which was such a good episode. Yes, it was. That was a that was a great episode. One of those just really long, long episodes. It was just all of it was top content. We cried. We laughed. Laughed, cried. The whole Everything. we ran the gamut of emotions. Yelled a lot of yeses, yes queens, and annoyed Chris. Okay, so the first one comes from Facebook and comes from Diego Lemos, and it says, "I love all the characters and their interactions in the arc, especially the Mar- Martez sisters. They feel so real." Trace is an idealistic dreamer and Rafa is the ambitious one. This is such a true depiction of families struggling in a third in third world countries like mine, always optimistic, but always under social pressure, which makes them which makes me see them as Latin American representation in Star Wars. Oh, it totally felt like that. Please listen course, to this next sentence, everybody, because I feel like this is the most important sentence that Diego has written to us ever. Right. Right, which of course means they will be trafficking drugs for the next three episodes. I guess that is how pop culture sees us. Yeah, indeed, I guess it is. I guess it is. Great. I mean, Even I went Star through that Wars. with like I went through that with um a friend of mine who lives in Mexico, and this friend had sent me a message and was so devastated about Poe and trust. Oh, I was just gonna say, guess who else is a is a drug drug dealer? It's Poe Dameron. Because Poe is played just, by a Latin actor and he is suddenly given this past and trust where he's yeah. a drug dealer and, hey, and it's not okay. It's yeah, not okay. Well, they're, they're like, but it's okay because you know, just because there's you no have Mexico. To, in you space. have to do it to survive. And it's just like, okay, so that's, that's yeah. It just, it just as, ascribes a certain arc for, you know, that art. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. They could have been, I mean, fucking Lando was a trafficking puffer pigs. And you give the Latin representation drug dealing? I mean, there's a galaxy of a million other things they could have done. So, yeah, Diego, I feel you, man. I feel uh, you. I was going to say, don't, it's, it's don't, not don't, okay. give, don't give Lando drug dealing either, though. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Like, but at least they had, like, gave him something different, like puffer pigs. Yeah. I mean... When you yeah. have a galaxy far, far away full of billions of other things you could do, like, yeah, Diego, you have every right to be upset. And I feel you. It's not okay. So. Yep. At least it was something that they, they didn't embrace, I guess. I guess. I don't know. So he says, great episode, guys. Star, I don't know why I'm going to try and stick up for it. Great episode, guys. Star Wars needs more representation, and hopefully it will get much more. Yeah, it's called Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Where we have well, you get you gotta get it here on J Guys and Jedi, whether you like it or not. So look forward to that. So yeah, you mean resistance? That well, I I will say like 
Rebels started it because none of their main characters are all. all you're, of their you're, you're gonna characters. have your you're gonna have your you'll you'll have your gripes on the representation and and resistance too. We'll get to that as it yeah goes on. Okay, so then we got what one more from Twitter. Oh, I don't have to do any voices this week. It's Bucho, it's our buddy Bucho. Bucho. You should try and do an Australian accent for Bucho. No, it's it's not pretty when I try. I don't try to do it anymore. It just it comes out a mixture of Australian, Cockney, and and proper English, uh, proper British, and it's not not right. And yeah, I'm not gonna do that to you. <laughs> so Bucho says Brian was a championship level guest, and this episode was so dang delightful, start to finish. That is true. Yeah. Well, I dream that Trace and Rafa do something somehow turn up at some point in the Bad Batch. It's oh, I hope so. It's, it's very possible. Oh, my I only complaint so. in this is this episode was less than four hours long. Oh no, Chris would have hated editing that. Yeah. What, yes. didn't, wasn't our record like four hours? It was. It was. It was like three hours and twenty minutes or something like that. Yeah. But I'll say this for it: a lot of times when we're you know. When we're recording, in my brain, I hear the parts where I have to edit, you know, where I have to edit something. And when you have one that's a long conversation, very often there's, um, you know, it's and most of my editing for J Guys and Jedi comes when like you and I are like, I'm reading a letter, you're reading your thing and you have to stop and start over again. That's an edit. But I very rarely edit content out, you know. And there wasn't any, you know, and when there is something that's like, ah, maybe that's, you know, off topic or not really that entertaining or whatever, and it gets edited out, I note it while we're doing it, you know, uh, or we'll we'll have to stop and like talk about, you know, something or something. But with that episode, I don't think there was really anything that needed to be cut out or something. So once like you know, once it gets rolling, it just sort of rolls at real time. I'm just sort of re-listening to it. You know what I mean? And uh, with that episode, it was very pleasant to re-listen to it because it was very funny and fun and warm. It was just a, it was a, it was a, it was entertaining for me to edit. So yeah, it, it, it didn't, it was not a hard edit, even though it was a long podcast. I'll say I'm kind of bummed because uh, Brian has, it's not the biggest fan of resistance. So it's like, no, I probably won't be on your show. And I'm like, oh. Well, but we do well, have oh, plenty of people. Other. People change their minds. We've seen it. He before. actually sent me a picture of one of his sons watching resistance, though. Yes. So yeah, I did see one thing, of his sons. That's the thing is, if if he gets one of the kids gets into it, then all of a sudden you start living through the kid and you're having a riot with it. So yeah. 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 Time. I'm, time is on our side. Hope. Time is on our side. Yes. I am very excited about our list of potential guests because it is long, and as of right now, the first one is one, two, three, four weeks away, unless somebody chooses one sooner. So. Excellent. Yeah. It might be may it may or may not be one of the hosts from but why though and into the spider cast saying excellent who also stands cats as hard as i do <laughs> i'm excited <laughs> anyway 
Um, where, where we're candyless this week, so no candy, candyless. Unless, did Yoda leave a present in my box? No, he didn't. <laughs> Good thing. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, that would be great. You and me, like, choking down tadpoles. Ugh. Is that what the kids call semen this day? Nobody choking down tadpoles. I I think that's probably been I think that's probably been used for a long time. Find <laughs> you. <laughs> that was that was Hope's saucy laugh, everybody. Choking down tadpoles, huh? <laughs> can I tell you what I did tonight <laughs> before we leave? So I'm in a group chat with the the wonderful people of Geeky Waffle, right? And they had tagged me a few days ago because one of their members, uh, Bry, didn't know that there was actually people thirsty for Thrawn. And so Candace, who, who was on our episode for Jedi Knight, the one where Canon died, she tagged me in this and she was like, Hope, you got to get them. You know, just just get Bri and send them all the pictures. And so I had messaged them a few days ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so then I messaged uh, them a, a few days ago. And I was like, Bri, I'm not actually going to send you a bunch of Thrawn Thirst pictures unless you want them. And they wrote back to me, oh, I was expecting them. So I went on about a 30-post breakdown <laughs> of Thrawn Thirst in their DMs. I was going to say, the vampire has to be invited in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they just were like, okay, I'll open those floodgates. So this is including um, the like my origins of fighting Thrawn hot. Moving Talk on about to... blue milk, huh? No, no, and then I and then I broke it down to like where Luke Ross, who was the artist of the Thrawn comics, like his entry, which was Feral Thrawn, and then I brought in Young Chiss Thrawn from Thrawn Alliances, where he teamed up with Anakin, and then I broke down Thronto, which is the Thrawn Eli Vanto ship, and then I broke down Thrice, which is the Thrawn and Governor Price ship, and then <laughs> I broke down the Rebel scene where he's training with the droids, and I sent them artwork of that, and then I talked about Thrawn's penis for a while, and then I brought in Arlani because she ha- is constantly within Thrawn stuff because she is the best queen and yes she could step on me and then I talked about Thras which was Thrawn's fancy ass brother and then I wrapped up and I wrapped up with um I hope you enjoyed the presentation um uh, if you want to see more hot pictures of Thrawn uh here's my Pinterest board thank you for visiting Hope's Thirsty Presentation Tour I th- hope you enjoyed it please make sure you have all your items on the way out <laughs> and Arzu wrote me back bless you Hope <laughs> So that's what I do in my group chats. I don't even know how I got on this topic. Anyway, where can people find you, Chris? <laughs> you can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our webpage. And you can sign up for our, all our RSS feeds for all our shows there. Or you can find us on Facebook. And, uh, I was going to say YouTube. You can't find us. Real, can't really find us on YouTube. Don't, don't bother. Um... But uh, on, on Facebook at the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina page, we are also on the dreaded Twitter, run by the the multi-dimensional Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Different. It's Rebel. It's Resistance. We're on a different show now. I guess so. Uh, Gene. Anyway, that's where they can find me. Where they can find me. Oh.
Where they can find you, Hope. You can find me at Jason's Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Lance. I also have my website called geekygirlexperience.com where I write reviews and teachers about mission, Star Wars, queer topics, and sometimes a lot of writing about resistance over the last couple of years. Um, and also, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. It's an animation podcast, and we're currently going through uh, Gravity Falls, and soon we will be at Avatar The Last Airbender. So that five years that Chris has been pulling it up, he's going to be fixing that very soon. Very soon. I honestly think that's why um, Hank Hill was on my brain today because I saw that slash King of the Hill joke earlier today <laughs> and I was thinking about Hank Hill earlier so anyway I gotta pee so come back next week guys I gotta pee <laughs> alright <laughs> well, right, bye everybody <laughs> actually I'm really 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 excited about next week's episode because next week's episode was the first episode where I went Oh, this is what Resistance is doing. And it's actually one of my favorite episodes of, this, of the entire show. I really, really like next week's episode a lot. So I'm very excited about getting into it. So, But I do have to pee, so bye. Excellent. Bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.